Hi, I'm Zach. I'm playing Arello, the Barbarian. Hi, I'm Nathan. I'm playing Brendis, the Thief. I'm JD. I'm playing Viatrix, the Fighter. And I'm Ryan, your Dungeon Master. And this is the Chimera Cast, a Dungeon World actual play podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ChimeraCast. Last time, you guys fought in the arena, uh, won some fights, and found post-fight Abdul the Ghoul's corpse. And then Brindis and Olivara talked while she sort of patched him up. And you agreed to meet and discuss with everybody that night, which is sort of where we left off, was with you guys returning to your family's mansion. Does that sound correct to everybody? Yep. Yeah. 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 Brindis, describe the room that your family receives guests in. So a big theme of the Goran estate is the expansive gardens and plants and, and water. This is how families in this area show opulence. And so the receiving room, I suppose, would generally be a an, an indoor garden, perhaps with some sort of enchanted running water we had spoken about fountains existing on the outer parts of the grounds. So I think that there may be a, a smaller version of that within here, as well as some flowering plants and perhaps an oculus in the ceiling. So there would be a fountain in the center and perhaps a, a circular table that surrounds it, a series of chairs. Okay, cool. Viatrix, what about this receiving room makes you feel at home? I think there's something in the way that like the sun is coming through the oculus and sitting there and listening to the fountain that reminds me of sitting next to this little creek. Maybe there was like a tree with a broken branch in it. So there was this like halo of light that would come down through it at a, you know, a certain time of day. And just like sitting there after working on the farm and letting that like hot part of the afternoon go past while sitting under the tree. And like if I close my eyes and just listen, it kind of sounds like that especially after the exhaustion of everything today. Arello, what about this sitting room makes you uncomfortable? I think what makes Arello uncomfortable is that Brendy has told him that this is like a room to accept guests, and yet he feels not relaxed in it. It feels tucked in, almost suffocating, as if the people that would visit were second cousins who weren't uh, particularly welcomed. It has an austereness in its air. To Arello's idea, his lowly, slovenly idea of hominess, it feels so impersonal and monolithic. I think that's by design, too. The, the flashings of wealth and all that are to be power plays in conversation. Yeah. So you feel this way basically on purpose, which probably makes you more uncomfortable, too. You're aware of that, I would think. I would think as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So you guys are sitting in there for a while, and then your dad, Brendis, walks in, and behind him are two figures who are sort of like cloaked and wrapped in scarves and stuff, obviously to be inconspicuous. Uh, Brendis, I believe these are your guests. Brendis gets up. Uh, of course, of course. Uh, thank, thanks, Dad. Um, go away now, please. <laughs> he he stands uncomfortably because technically these are guests in his house, but he knows his place at this point. He's had a, a long life of being broken down by his son and his wife. So yeah, he leaves, and Olivara and a male elf both pull off their their scarves and their accoutrement. How was the rest of the time in the arena? Stifled. No one was much in the mood for bloodshed after what they witnessed. Understandable. Tea? Wine? The male elf, his face looks disinterested when you say tea, but you see his eyes light up when you say wine. He sort of speaks over Alivara as she goes to answer. Wine, yes, please. No wine for unnamed guests. Who are you, my friend? He shallowly bows to you. I am Prince Esfandiar. Ah, of course. And you are, of course, aware of my compatriots in the arena, Orello the Flesh Carver. <laughs> how, how pleasant to make your acquaintance. <laughs> the same, I am sure. Viatrix the... What was it, Vi? I don't even remember. Yeah, Viatrix. Prince Esfandiar in, uh... It's like he, he knows courtly manners via tricks, but he's, you know, he's from out in the, the deserts. He comes over to you and holds out his hand for yours and bows to you. <laughs> Viatrix just gives him a weird look and kind of backs off. Yeah. Uh, it is a pleasure to make your acquaintance, my lady. Sure. Princess Fandiar, he has the same tattooing on his face, but it's highlighted by a sunburst of golden thread around his eyes that looks kind of like a phoenix spreading its wings. I can see from the looks on all of your faces that there are grave matters to be discussed this night. Yes, the uh, the show from Vecti and the Queen tonight was troubling, to say the least, imperiling, obviously. I'm hoping that you can give us some direction, if not more information as to what's happening. Brendis pours large glasses of wine. The prince nods. I can shed some light of what we know of the past and what we believe to be coming in the future, but for now it may be easiest if you three ask the questions. All right. Well, for starters, what was the queen wearing? Was that mask? Why did Vecti seem so different? They seem to be linked. He nods and sort of takes a, a seat with his back to the fountain. One of your human archaeologists found what he thought to be a great find that would make him rich in the old collapsed elven city. The mask is one of the relics that he discovered, that uh, of our, our ancient king. He, he pauses there. Perhaps tyrant is a better word. Perhaps you've heard the name Emral Aleth. And all too recently, Turkakul spoke of him, and we heard of much of him with regards to the Dobrakal. He was its creator, that is most certain. But he was much more than that. The Mad King of the Elves. 
He has returned, at least in part. That is what has happened to your queen. So what, he's possessing her? The prince shrugs. I am no sorcerer, but as close as I can guess to anything. As for that creature Vecti and the others that were with her, I believe he has ensorcelled them, possessed them. And what can we do about it? Normally, I would rather see the spirit of our ancient tyrant on the throne than any with human blood. However, and he, he sort of stares off into his wine cup, and then he rustles around in like his the pouch at his side and pulls out a hide scroll and unrolls it. Painted on the scroll is a pictograph. There is a temple out in the desert. It was once the home to those who worshipped the jackal god, the Dobrakal. A few years ago, some adventurers cleaned them out. This is one of the relics that's left over. Most of that place was given over to the worship of the past. This was a declaration of the future, that the Mad King would return and with him would come the creeping darkness, but so too would come terrible fire. I believe that this scroll speaks of what is happening today. You mean it's a prophecy of some sort? As much as I believe in such things, yes. One that until recently I would have written off as pure fancy from a mad cult, but, well, I'm sure you understand by now that Turkakul is hardly a trustworthy figure. And you think that he stands to fulfill this prophecy? Do you think he has a hand in what's happened to the queen, or, if I may be blunt, is he going to bring the Dobrakal back to this plane? For whatever his reasons, good or ill-intentioned, I believe it is the latter. Then that's why he wanted the book. I believe he wanted the book for many reasons, but that is chief among them, yes. Vi, you took that stone, didn't you? Yeah, with uh, Turkakul's dad's memories in it. Yeah. Should bring that up. Well, I'm not sure if it's any help, but I at least got this from him earlier, and I pull out the crystal and set it down on like the little waiting table. You two didn't know that I took this either, did you? No. As Fandiar's eyes grow wide as you set it down on the table, that is a rare artifact indeed, and one that I am not so happy to see in human hands, though I am glad it is here. Do you know whose it was? What do you mean, whose it was? I don't even know what it is. It just seemed like a thing that Turkakul found important. Such stones or objects tend to hold the spirits or memories of our forefathers. Our elvish souls are particularly malleable to the container that they reside in, and can exist for long periods of time in objects, though these stones are the most common form of them. So that's like what I destroyed when we were in the arena. Uh, yes, from what I've heard it is. And he, he looks at Viatrix with, for such a young-appearing face, the penetrating gaze of somebody who has seen lifetimes of hard living. What did you see? What do you mean? When you destroyed the crystal. I don't know. It didn't make any sense. I just figured it was, like, dreams. Yes, uh, well, that is what you get when the soul goes mad. And he shrugs and gestures to you and 
Well, try talking to this one and let's see what we get. Uh, I think Vi like backs up and is like, I'm going to leave that to you. I don't want to dabble with something that I don't understand. I would like to second Vi on this one. We've been burned a few times now by Beldroth, Vecti, Jokakul. Very well. And he, he holds out his hand towards Vi for the gym. I look over at Brendis and Arello, like, is this a good idea? What was Turkakul going to use this for? Elevara speaks up. I won't argue that I understand Turkakul's mind, but from everything that I heard from him, and what I've come to understand since then, he truly meant to send you into the palace before things could progress this far, to deal with Imral Aleth. In the way that, and she like gestures at Vi's sword and Arello's halberd and at you, Brindis, and uh, that you three are so adept at dealing with things. In the hope that you would either kill him or he would kill you, but be weakened by it. Turkakul does not want to play second fiddle to any tyrant of today or yesterday. Well, how do we know if, and Brindis like puts his hand over the crystal. If interacting with this in any way is not further playing into his plan. Should just destroy this one too. As Fandiar grins, almost, uh, it's, it's just like kind of one of those shit-eating grins. If you would like to experiment with breaking another one, be my guest, Viatrix. I for one would rather roll the dice, so to speak. And he, he holds out his hand for it again. You're speaking the same kind of nothing grand words that Turkakul said. And you, and Vi points at Alavera, you were following and helping Turkakul before all of this happened. Why should we trust you now? Quite frankly, there's only two people here that I have any faith in because I've been fighting with them in the arena for the last month. None of you have helped us do anything once. And I think Viatrex is like stood up now and like her fucking massive full Nakano frame, right, is like dominating the room. Oh, yeah, you are easily the biggest person in this room, aren't you? (laughs) Vi, calm down. I trust Alavara with my life. Why? And she she just looks straight at you, Brendis. It's complicated. It's not complicated. You filled her with a baby. Brendis blushes. God's boy, was she your first? Shut up, both of you. (laughs) This is getting out of hand, and we can't be fighting amongst each other right now. Alavara... Is he more trustworthy than Turkakul? Elevara opens her mouth to talk, but she's quickly cut off by the very imperious prince, who, she's an elf, and he firmly believes that she's one of his subjects. You do not have to trust me, but I will tell you right now- I did not ask you. Vi's right. We've been running errands for the elves for weeks now. And prince or not, I don't know you from my stoop-backed father. The only person here I trust is Alivara. Vi looks at Brendis a little hurt, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I elbow Vi. Glad to see he finally grew into his mother's spine. Well, we know where that spine got her. Ugh, grim. Alivara shakes her head. I know little of whatever magic is going on here, but I know what I saw in the arena, and I know what Turkakul intends to do, and I know what awaits my people. If either succeed, and I know what awaits my people if the humans win this struggle. We are not asking you to do a favor for just the elves. If Imral Aleth succeeds, there'll be no future for anyone in this city. 
And uh, she touches her stomach when she says that. So what is it that you are really here to ask us to do for you? You want this? And she picks up the crystal. Fine. And she just tosses it carelessly at the prince. Go ahead and defy danger plus dexterity to see... That's a nine. Yeah, so it doesn't shatter on the floor. As he catches it, he like juggles it a little bit, and he swears in Elvish, and he catches it. He begins to speak to it in Elvish. It begins to glow in between when he's speaking to it in a way that you can kind of infer he's actually talking to whatever soul is inside. He wishes to show us something, but you must each open your mind to him. To allow this, I would simply transmit the information myself, but as has been illuminated, I am not trusted here, so at least one of you must bear this burden. That's fine. I will. No, no. Give it to me. I stop Brendis's arm like before he grabs the crystal, and I look at the prince. If anything happens to him, I will fucking kill you. You'll have a hard time, because he'll already be dead. As Fandiar kind of rolls his eyes, very well. That is a risk I must take. And drops this stone into Brendis's hand. Go ahead and roll plus wisdom to sort of deal with this mental onslaught. That's a ten. Excellent. You see a group of dirty, battered elves who look exhausted gathered around a fire. The perspective that you're seeing from is not the one speaking, but the one who is is wearing robes that in the firelight are pitch black. And he's putting herbs and stuff in the fire, and it starts to rapidly change the hue and intensity of the flames. And then the chanting stops, and the perspective like looks down at its lap where uh, a piece of hide is unrolled on a board, and you see the pen like hovering. And then he looks back up. The fire collapses to just glowing embers. And then light begins to play from the fires. And you see what sort of look like a small fiery city form along the embers. And above it, you see a mountain that's a piece of the wood just like pop and explode. And from that ember, a massive draconic form takes shape. And the the perspective switches back down and you see it begin to scribble elvish runes across this sheet of hide and then he looks back up and darkness that had been pooling off the edge of the city takes shape into a pouring darkness that you can just make out jackal-like forms moving towards the city the perspective switch back down and starts scribbling onto the hide again He looks back up, and you see this city being completely subsumed by the conflict between this this draconic form who, as it moves across the fiery landscape, it roars back into life, the fire behind it, and then the darkness and the fire collide in the midst of the city. You hear gasps from the other elves crowded around. Many of them are dressed in a similar manner to Tado Alar from the library. Are they wearing masks? Yes, but it's a collection of styles, and it's not all the same animal. They're not all owls or anything. Cool, cool. He keeps writing on this hide, and then eventually that scene fades, 
and you are whatever way you had been looking in the sitting room, your gaze is drawn intensely to that hide that Esfandiar had unrolled, and you see that they're the same. While in the throes of the vision, Brendis is stock still, staring blankly forward. A shock as he regains his senses, realizes that's where he is. Esfandiar, do these stones usually contain one soul or multiple? Long ago, each family would have... A small chapel with one stone for each of their ancestors. Today we are forced to make do with what stones we can procure. This one is probably just the one. Then the elf contained herein is the prophet, the scrivener of the hide you have there. They showed me the process, and he turns to Vi and Morello, through which this prophecy was written. Some sort of winged beast will fight what appears to be the Dobra Call, in the confines of what appears to be this city. The desert bird. Perhaps. There was much fire, though. I'm not sure Brendis would necessarily know what a dragon is. We talked about dragons. Have I, have I glibly referred to them? I don't think I have. I mean, they definitely exist in Chimeria, but I don't. it doesn't necessarily mean they exist in all cultures or mythologies because they're not common. Well, I think the descriptions of them would vary, too, is mostly what I was kind of thinking. Mm, yeah. I just don't necessarily know that I would read that immediately as a dragon if they weren't such a cultural touchstone. So, but there was much fire. I don't think it was that bird. And how do you feel after all of this? Do you feel convicted in helping these people? I certainly want to avoid that kind of devastation, I'll admit. So what do we do if what he's saying is true? You say we can stop this, Asfandiar? I believe so, yes. Was that winged creature some sort of metaphor? Do you think such a beast is to attack this place? Or is that us stopping the Dobrakal? The scroll speaks of a beast of fiery destruction. A beast of terrible power. And while I do not doubt the efficiency of the three of you in combat... I do not believe that it speaks of you fighting the Dobrakal. My people have legends of such a creature forming the mountains in which we make our home. Perhaps it speaks of that? Then what are we to do? I cannot command you, and I will not make demands of you. My people will deal with Turkakul and his plots. But, as I believe was made clear in the arena, your destiny is intertwined with that of that mask and those that it has possessed. Are you asking us to murder the queen? Murder her? Remove the mask? Cut down those who entrapped her? Whatever you have to do. This conflict has gotten out of all of our hands. What we each must do now is ensure that when the dust settles, there is something to rebuild. I think in the middle of the silence of our group, looking at each other, trying to think this over. Yeah, because it's a big ask. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go kill a queen, right? Sensible? It's where this has led us? I will admit to not wanting to kill her in so many words as maybe save her and be forever in her debt. If we uh, could somehow pivot into that, that would be much nicer for me and my future. I am not one for too much sentimentality. I must think back to the teachings on my island. 
One of the great teachings we were told of our great hunts was to think of nature and its existence in the wake of the great hunt and battle we would have with the legendary beast. That some of them would become homes for colonies of ants to live in them, but others would warp the landscape. It is said that some who go on their great hunt would have to stay and plant seeds of renewal. I am no farmer, so I would rather not leave destruction in my wake. This is my home, and what ravages we have brought upon it have been, I admit, in attempts to make it better. The humans do not want to be led by an elf possessing the queen, and the elves do not want the soul of this elf ruling this land. If we are the ones who can put an end to this, I say we do it. But know this, whether we succeed or not, we cannot change what already is. We will not be held responsible for what happens to your people. Certainly not myself, nor Viatrix, nor Brindis. We will do everything within our power to help you, but things may be worse, no matter our intentions. I did not come here on my knees, begging for the future of my people. That we shall take for ourselves. But perhaps the alliance struck here today may carry on if we are successful. But if we do not succeed in these tasks, there will be no future for any of us. So it's settled then, Viatrix. We've been pawns this far. Brandis pours a large glass of wine. Rello? As long as this leads to the big thing I'm supposed to kill. Brandis pours a large glass of wine for Rello. Go on, top it off. <laughs> Just take two. Takes yours out of your hand. As Fandiar hands him a glass of wine. He takes it. Pours a very small glass of wine and hands it to Alifara. Beloved. All right, give me, give me my wine back. Hands you the empty glass. <laughs> and may this truce be... May we... Are you... I, I don't know what to say. Use the flesh carver. Use the flesh carver. I'm not using the flesh carver. Just do it then. Now this is a Good. bit. Now this is a bit. This is what, I'm, this is what I was afraid of. I, I thought it was going to turn into I got a bit. You. I got you. Just let me... <clears throat> and, uh, There's still work to do. And then Viatrix drinks the drink, sets it down, and walks off. Yeah, I think Esfandiar raises his glass, and to the work, he slams it and puts the glass down. Oh, thank the gods. To the work. To the work. So, Arello, Brendis, and Viatrix are staying up to sort of plan as much as you can. I took the drink and stormed out. How about we actually cut to... Brendis and Arello partway through this conversation, and then Vi will rejoin. Is that cool? Oh, okay. Okay, okay. okay. cool. Yeah. All right, so mid-scene. But if if there's actually no way to save her, then you know you have to do it. I can't, I couldn't bear. I guess. We shared a dance. It was intimate. I saw it. It was okay. He stares deeply into your eyes. You know it was better than okay. I have seen you on the dance floor, friend. And while when it was after you with that one night, like a week, it was like two weeks ago. Look, okay, Arello, I I understand that you feel an attraction to the queen, but if I can't trust you to do what you need to do at an 
a stressful moment, then why are you coming? Why am I coming? I'm coming because you can't protect yourself. And if I'm about to die to the queen, who is not the queen, to remind you, not the queen, mask. What if we just take the mask off? We don't even know what that does. I don't, if we can take the mask off, I guess, is she just going to let us, uh, do you want more wine? I, I God, yes, okay. That sounds, thank you. I just don't know if we can get the mask off of her. I don't either. Why didn't your wizard elf friend know more? Probably trying to, you know, give us as little as they can. Make us kill the queen? Well, yes. That's my real hesitation. If I weren't convinced by the visions in the stone, I would share your trepidation. They did try to kill us. The queen did try to kill us. <sighs> and they all look just like Doe. You remember Doe, right? Yes, yes, I remember, yes. You liked him, right? You're, he was all right. He was all right, yeah. I was pretty skeptical of him, too, and he turned out to be all right. He turned out to be all right. In the middle of this awkward silence, the two of you are sitting. Vi comes in. I think she's wearing, like, just her underclothes, basically. So for the first time, probably the two of you are both seeing how jacked she is, but then also seeing this huge wound in the side of her, this huge scar that, like, is dented in. And I mean, it looks like she was fucking cut in half, because she was, basically. Her head is freshly shaved, so completely bald, and that kind of makes the scar, that this, like, fresh scar that she was given by Arello, pop a little bit. And it seems to have the same kind of subtle pulse to it that the blood veins in her broken sword do. She comes in with a plate of these the, those savory breakfast breads and just like sits down on a couch, sets it on the table, and it starts eating. Doesn't say anything to either of you. Where did you go? Where did those come from? Why did you cut your hair? Do you want some wine? No, I don't want any wine. All right. Where did you go? took a bath why'd you cut your hair it's getting long she's always had short hair also just as a reminder but i mean yeah, shaved it clean i don't think yeah all right we were discussing strategy mm. go on then don't let me stop you arello doesn't think he can kill the queen okay yeah that's more or less it i just really would like to keep her alive for personal reasons it's not really a strategy is it no he kind of got I got lost in the weeds. I had a couple of drinks. Well, looks out the window. What are we waiting for? As you look out the window, the sky as the sun peeks over the, the hills is bright red, almost blood red. And out of one of the distant peaks, you see smoke has begun to pour out of the distant mountain. A blood red sun, an omen that much will be spilt today. And maybe your fire comes from there. Eh, Brindis? I suppose that remains to be seen. Picks a bread up off the plate. M may I? That's what I brought him for. I'm just checking. So I figure the the, cas the castle? The, ca the castle? Yes, that makes the most sense to me, Brindy. <laughs> He's trying to pretend that we were actually talking about strategy this whole time and just lost it. Well, let's go to the castle. No time for eating more. Stop stuffing your face. And you've just taken one bite, and I just pat it. Oh. Picking the bread up off the ground. Come on! Let's go. And I start making my way. Vitrix, like, looks down at herself <laughs> and then <laughs> shoves another bread in her mouth. Yeah. Time, time passes. People, you guys get your shit together. 
the three of you are able to make your way through the city and it's eerily quiet for this time of day. Normally the bustle would be starting, but today people for whatever reason are just not. You make your way past the towering building that houses the adjudicators that with its water pouring down and past that into the the palace where the gates are unguarded it's massive double doors and drawbridge lay open as if inviting you inside there are usually guards here well there aren't now so let's go um i can't argue with that they're confident is there a trap here yeah roll for it how are you looking i always want to know what it looks like on screen when a thief is yeah yeah so we're like we like stop at the drawbridge, and I'm just looking at the corners of the portcullis, looking at the uh, top of the of the the gate to make sure or to see if anybody is looking at us to see if there's some kind of trap, burning oil, or anything anything like that. Just anything to keep us out of here because this seems weird. Go ahead and roll to search for traps. A five. How does the move read? Does it give a six minus or? It does not. So, Brindis, as you're looking around, you don't see anything that's a potential, like, tripwire or anything to, to knock the portcullis down. No physical trick or trap here that you can see. And yeah, I believe we are entering. Vi seems determined, and if I'm reading this correctly, is leading the party. I think this was me shifty-eyed looking around as we yeah, entered. Yeah. So as the three of you enter into the palace... You hear first the palace doors just boom shut on silent hinges. But then behind that, you hear the that creaking uh, when you heard the doors open of the ghostly castle in the sky like a week ago. You hear that same like <laughs> as the these huge ghostly doors close behind the, the physical doors. You're stuck in the palace. So I have rewritten the the labyrinth move a little bit instead of it being because like usually you're you're like guaranteed to chew through a labyrinth move eventually or you die which isn't really what i wanted to go for with this one so this is a race against them finishing the ritual to unleash the volcanic dragon so on a 10 plus the clock doesn't advance and you get one hold on a seven through nine choose one you get a hold or the clock doesn't advance. And then on a six minus, you face a standard guardian and the clock advances. Not one of the ritual guardians. So it takes four hold to reach the end of the labyrinth, but you can spend your hold one for one. You can discover a place of safety, or you can face down one of the ritual guardians and reverse the clock, or you can discover one of Imral Aleth's weaknesses. One thing that I will say is that the castle, the queen's palace, is not the same anymore. It's like it has wings and stuff that were part of the house of dust and ash, not just the parts of the castle. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Who's going first? I guess it's me, huh? I just assumed so. All right, the queen's throne room is right up these stairs. It's not too difficult. I've been here hundreds of times. I know, I mean, be quiet and all that, but let's just do this. Yeah, I mean, my gut instinct is just plus intelligence, right? You're kind of spouting lore in Yeah, a way. you know where you're going. Like, this is from memory. You've been here. I would go with Wiz, personally, but I'm biased, so I don't want to speak. 
I would say whiz on this because what actually matters is not that you've been here before. It's how quickly you realize that things are different. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a solid argument. Yeah. Plus whiz. Yeah. I want you to know that it didn't matter. That's an 11. Red. So the clock doesn't advance and you guys get one hold. Do you guys want to fight a guardian? Because I want to fight a guardian. I'm down to fight. Sure. I think that's a good way to, for us to find out that this is not where I thought we were. Yeah. As you head up these stairs, Brennis, tell me what is not right. What has changed about the palace layout since last time you were here? We begin going up the stairs, and then the two worlds collate over one another. And so the steps begin first from the palace, and then eventually we're walking up the stairs of the Elvish Palace as though they've just gone on for all together too long. And that's when things really begin like, something's not right here. Before we reach the first landing, at which point there should be a hallway off to the right or something. And instead, there are there's a fork, perhaps three separate options. Well, I, um, I, I, my, it's, it's this way. It's this way. And we go off the direction that we would normally go, thinking that perhaps I misremembered. Yeah. We just go down this hallway for a while, and that's when things really start to become strange. I think the decoration is obviously elvish. There are more, perhaps even like strange half offices as this place kind of mashes upon this reality. Yeah, the farther down this hallway you go, the offices and stuff that were normally here begin to become almost clearings as the walls turn into what were at first mason walls, and they slowly give way to carved stone cypress trees that rise up, their branches intertwining to become the ceiling. As you pass through this, it becomes more and more of just like a traditional wooded area until you come to a clearing where a fire burns in the center. And standing on the opposite side of the fire is a figure in golden armor helmed with the lion's mane coming behind it and the helm is shaped into a roaring lion's face a massive riding lion is stretched out on the ground behind him you recognize the face underneath the helmet as the light catches his eyes is commander bater this doesn't look right bater I think we're slowly backing up and I assume that magically the area behind us is all woods yeah, yeah. Just because this is a boss room now? Yeah, it's become an arena. This doesn't seem good. Yeah, behind him, the lion, you see its head dip down to a form that's trapped beneath its front paws, and it you hear the gristle of a body being like ripped apart, comes up and is just dragging blood and gore. What's his lion's name? I feel like it would be famous is the only reason I ask. This is a propaganda lion. Yeah, I got Bella Gash. Ooh. I like it. An elvish name? That sounds like an elvish name to me, bro. Yeah. Which is kind of fucked up. Yeah, I think it's taunting. Yeah. Ugh. I have slowly backed up and probably run into the two of you. I'm going to step forward explicitly, and the blood blade extends from the broken edge of my sword. Sick. And I'm stepping up in front of Brendis. And I hold it, and I point it out towards Bader. Yeah. Going for a defend here. Go ahead and roll it. Ten. As you step forward and like the blood congeals down the, the length of the sword, 
I saw you lot in the arena, amateurs. Balagash gets up behind Bater, and you see it roars, and the roar, like, cuts off into, like, a... And the, the face of the elf, as the mouth is open wide, like, rolls into the front of it, and a long tongue comes out of this elvish mouth that's in the... It's like an alien kind of thing. What? Gross. Ew. And as you're watching... You can see along the, the lion's flanks, they like ripple and arms begin to writhe out along its back as the whole lion seems to kind of open up momentarily. I really like this monster, but I do not like what he did to this cat. Brendis, stay behind me. Don't do anything stupid. Uh, yeah, Bater at this point has pulled a one-handed battle axe out in his right hand and in his left held like point down is a curved bladed fighting knife. Yeah, and he's, like, moving out around the fire as Balagash moves out the other side. I don't necessarily want Brendis to discover this if this happens to be correct, but we're in Elfholm now, right? Elfheim? (laughs) Sure. Does the librarian's mask work here? Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's hot to me if that's cool with you guys, so... That's hot. (laughs) Well... I suppose you're the fighter and I'm the hunter. Will you take the big man then, Viatrix? Whatever comes to me. They're like moving to a pincer, you guys. Yeah. I'll move to the right. Okay, so you're following the cat and my blade will follow Bader. And I'm backing up with bow in hand and taking a knee. Cool. Arello, you're moving around towards the cat. Yep. What are you doing? So the tongue is kind of like whipping around, tasting the air, like kind of violently, just back and forth. Yeah, it's not not like a serpent's tongue where it's like darting in and out. Mm-hmm. It, this is like very uncontrolled, and it's like licking its own face a little bit. It's like feet long. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. I'm going to run straight at it and try and bury this axe in this thing's elf face that it's... Are you like... using your axe or the halberd? Or sorry, the halberd. Don't forget that the halberd has fun magic powers. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Well, we haven't done this, so this seems kind of sweet. I think how I activate this for the first time, not knowing what exactly is contained within the halberd, just knowing that it's special. You see me just kind of edging in slowly, trying to understand how to combat this mess and thinking of my best battle tactics when fighting beasts as I have in the past. But this is erratic and unnatural to me. But I dive deep within myself to try and understand, and I'm like, ah, you've, you fought uh, things that fly and, and great beasts that belch flame, but never something quite like this, old boy. Uh, I think I'm just concentrating, and then it's like a, a yeah, light kicks yeah. on. Yeah, we'll try and activate this move. Do you have to say the name of who you're... Oh, I have to make it up? Yeah. Yeah. This particular spirit I am calling upon is uh, uh, Gorteth, an ancient clan leader before Elvish society had taken like its proper place, who dabbled in the mystical arts and who would potentially be seen as like progenitors to what has happened here. They performed fucked up science experiments on animals. He was their great leader and also the person who would slay the animals. When they became too powerful, un- untamable, more importantly. But yeah, he was like the first guy to have a three-headed hound. Rat, roll those dice. I got a nine. 
On a 7 through 9, I get a hold and pick an auction from the list. Gain plus one forward to hack and slash or defend when using a technique I learned. Use your newfound knowledge to predict the flow of battle. Give someone an order. They take plus one forward to act on your command. You can react to a threat with preternatural speed. Reroll one die on any roll relating to combat. For the duration of the scene, you call upon and command the spirit of the former wielder. Add messy or forceful tag to attack. Oh, this is kind of sweet. I get down almost in like a, a kneeling position as someone like trying to approach an animal, not knowing when it's going to lash out. So making themselves small. And what we see behind me, you see that like shadowy figure start to stretch out an ancient elvish figure taking the exact same pose as I am with the halberd as we're like moving in and then right at that moment we like make the exact same coordinated strike to get into its face and take it out cool in tandem doing the same thing in like the narrative and then i can use the boon at one point yeah cool so go ahead and roll hack and slash that'll be a seven cool go ahead and roll your damage and kind of describe what it looks like. I rolled a five. I like come in and attack the face, but instead of being a lion, you see the quick reaction of the tongue whip back. I'm trying to bisect the face in front, but I think I just get a nice chunk of the elvish forehead. Yeah. And you see it gush out a little bit as ickery blood spills out and the dead eyes of the elf don't react at all. And the tongue tries to whip away and contort my halberd away from me. So you did five damage? Yes, indeed. Halberd does plus one damage. So you six. six. As your halberd cleaves into this thing's forehead and the, the tongue's lashing around, you feel the tongue like lick all up and down your left side, your leading side. And as you look down, you can see it's left greenish-black residue all over your body and anywhere there's exposed flesh. It feels like you're sweating in reverse seeping into you what do you do i like jump back and i shake my arm out and i start trying in a defensive position rub whatever that's off i throw off my gauntlet and look to see the stuff starting to get into my veins i'm gonna bite into my own skin and tear and just start sucking at it like you would suck the wound out of a snake bite yeah defy danger let's go with con Con makes sense to me. That'll be an eight. Okay. Go ahead and mark that you have one point of corruption. Yes. Viatrix, what are you doing? I'm still defending Brenda, so until Brenda goes invisible, that's what I'm doing. Okay. So I'm waiting for Bader to come in range. And remember that I have reach, so I have range yes. on him. Yeah. So I think he's advancing pretty slowly. He's a veteran. He understands that he's at a disadvantage against you. And he's crouched down into a fighting stance with this long fighting knife held like lengthwise down his forearm in a defensive stance and the axe pitched back for a strike when the opening presents itself. Just steadily creeping closer to the two of you. So I... After Vi had told me to stay behind her, I had backed up and dropped to one knee and began training an arrow on Bater. And it's three charges of trick arrows? Yes. And those are non-magical, but cool. Yeah. Vi, are you ready? Ready. All right. And I'm going to loose an arrow that's going to explode into dust, and I am going to try to blind him. Yeah. I think just defy danger plus dex, since, you know, you're not trying to 
do damage or anything. I guess just it's a volley that it's not going to deal damage, right? It's just going to explode into dust. Well, I think it'll use an ammo. I don't know how you want to do that. It's ammo, oh. not it's ammo, not stock. How do you want to do that? That's yeah, what I'm concerned I was with. thinking it more of ammo. If you choose to spend ammo, okay. So I'll volley, and then we'll talk about the the good stuff or the bad stuff. Yeah. So that's a seven. Yeah, I'll use an ammo. And what I want to do is give Vi an advantage, which I was thinking like plus one forward or something like that. Yeah, I think he whips this knife up and thinks that he is going to block the arrow that you shoot, but instead it explodes into blinding, choking dust. And to play into the volley aspect of it, I think I take two shots. So he cuts the first one and then blocks the second. The second one just gets him all in the eyes. Yeah. Vi has plus one forward to attack Bater. Cool. I think that when he comes and does this attack against the arrow, that's where I'm going to spend one of my hold to deal my level in damage to him from my defend. How many damage is that? That's five damage. I like the narrative of that a lot because he opens himself up to block this attack and you just get him. He thinks that he's trying to advance or attack us, right? And so I'm taking advantage of that real quick because I've been waiting. And then I'm going to move in advance in order to actually attack him. So I'm going to hit that as like a quick cut across him as I pull the tip of my blood blade back. Then I'm going to spin around and just try and smash this down on him. Hopefully just cleave him in half. Uh, Yeah, go ahead and roll hack and slash. Oh, yeah. 12. I'm not going to put myself into a spot, but because my blade has tasted his blood, I do do an extra 1d4 damage. Yeah. Three damage. Oh, no! Yeah. You can re-roll it. Oh, fuck. You know what? Yeah. Ah! Do it. <laughs> I want to be cool. Narr- narratively, this is cooler than that. Yeah, it's too cool. I'm going to do it right now. Five damage. It's better. Do you, does your Your sword doesn't have any piercing, does it? does not have piercing. It just has messy and forceful. So if I could knock him to the ground, that would be great. Yeah. As you spin around, you drive your sword into his big lion-carved pauldron, and you feel it cut into flesh, but you don't think you got deep into his chest, just into his shoulder. And his knees give down and buckle, and he falls to a lunge position. Cool. If you're looking for someone to go to... Brendis? Vi and Brenda's were doing a tactic that we had practiced, or at least discussed. Yeah. Okay. So she knocks him to the ground, and he drops to one knee. And I've obviously been circling around behind him, and I want to slice his Achilles and keep him from standing back up so we can keep him on his knees. Yeah, are you backstabbing? If you'll allow me to backstab. Yeah. And this time I am going to roll instead of just doing my damage because I'm trying to hamstring yes. him. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That is an eight. Choose one. Oh, I like this a lot. I'm going to reduce his armor by one until they repair it. He's pretty heavily armored, right? Yeah. I get behind him, and I realize that our tactic isn't going to work. I can't hamstring him like this, but I see on his side that there's the tendons that are holding his armor up, and I'm going to get to his side and unhinge his breastplate so that it's hanging off to one side and leaving more of his chest exposed. Yeah. I think as it falls away where normally there'd be under padding and quilting, it's just his mottled flesh and you can see the veins pumping with corruption sick arello so this tactic didn't work out great the tongue yeah the tongue's bad news arello takes a deep breath and changes tactics takes the halberd up 
and stabs it into the ground, as does the kind of shadowy image of the elf. I start walking out with both my arms raised at it, creating a sense as big as possible as I'd come in. And just as it's about to lash out at me, I jump forward at its face and I grab around its neck and I'm going to try and wrestle it to the ground and break its neck. The massive lion? Yes. Defy danger plus strength. Power over (laughs) others? I'll give you power over others. I think the stakes are pretty high for this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to re-roll one die. Because right now we're looking at... Eight. Wait, what? you can do that? That's, that's what that thing that's what says. You did. The, oh, yeah. You no. gave me that. Oh, okay. Sorry. Because right now, I'm at a 2 for my D8 and a 3 for my D6. Okay. <laughs> Reroll this D8 and get a 1. I rolled a 2 again. <laughs> Fuck! So I'm at an 8. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you get it around the throat, and I think that you have a good, solid grip on it, but it it's massive. Like, it's bigger than your riding lions were that you took out in the desert. It's magically corrupted. And as you get a hold on its neck, you feel the arms that had risen up off of its body start wrapping around your neck, Mm. choking the life out of you. Fantastic. Arello snaps out of his preternatural instincts that I think the elf was kind of sending him, and he just grabs his boot knife and starts digging it into the thing's throat as many times as he can. You grab Lysander, You grab what? God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Lysander, let's do this. That'll be a 10. Yeah. Deal your damage. Four damage. Yeah, I mean, it it bleeds a little bit, but it still got you by the throat. <laughs> its hide is thick. Give me a visual impact. Yeah, you stab into it once. The first time you don't get into it, it's it's yeah. bounces off, and you like have to more and more power to get into it. It should be noted, Lysander does have messy and forceful, because every weapon I wield gains that, because I'm a barbarian. So what happens is that, yes, it gets tough, but through sheer will, I just open up a wound. Yeah, okay. That is big enough for, like, a hand to get into. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. The arms are still choking. I, but, yeah. Okay. So I've cut its neck open. I'm going to reach my hand up in there, grab the base of its tongue, and pull it through the wound. If I happen to snap the tongue off in this process, that's great as well. Meanwhile, I will ride it down into the ground, burying its face, and just start grinding it. Defy danger plus strength and see how that goes. How does pure destruction sound? Yeah, I'll give you pure destruction. That's what you're doing. Purely destroying it. That's going to be a 16. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You've got it down on the ground, and it's just gushing blood everywhere, and you've powered it down. Its tongue is gone and not like a a threat anymore. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to try and rip the top of its head off. Yeah, I was going to say, at this point, you kill it. Yeah. I imagine the maw is pretty decently sized, so I probably get my foot up in there, and then I just rip the top of its head off pulling it back you hear like this vicious snap like crackling of a tree breaking in half yeah (laughs) yeah viatrix you see this armor fall away and the mottled flesh beneath it what do you do perfect i'm just gonna run the tip of my blood blade through his stomach 
Yeah. Go ahead and roll hack and slash. That is an 11. Hell yeah. Put yourself, put yourself in a spot. Oh, actually, yeah, I am going to put myself in a spot. That's a really good point. Because what I'm going to do, right, is I'm going to run it through and then just keep running through. So I run him all the way up so Ooh. that he's close to me. Yeah. yeah. So what, you're rolling a D10, a D6, and a D4? Yep. 13 damage. Messy and forceful. You kill him. Sweet. With the chest armor gone, your sword passes through him easier than you were expecting, and you just keep going, forgetting that Brendis is on the other side. Brendis. Brandy. You see this massive sword explode out of Bader's back, coming straight for your face where you were, like, crouched down to cut his armor. What do you do? I try to duck out of the way. Let's be fair here. I was expecting Vi to run him through, so this isn't a complete surprise. Right. The power of this was surprising to me, though, and I hopefully am just quick enough to dodge out of the way of it. Yeah, defy danger plus dex. That's a 12. I was like, oh, no. That's a tense roll. This entire thing happened in yeah, seconds. five seconds. Yeah. He gets smoked, dodge around, cut his armor, she stabs him, and I just move my shoulder out of the way just in time. Vi pulls the blade back out, and the blood seeps back into the broken metal part of it as she turns towards Zarello. You okay? I'm, I'm fine. Uh, it did something to me. I tried to suck it out, but I couldn't. Uh, how do I feel? Does my arm feel weird? Yes. I have a compendium class for becoming corrupted. I'm sure that's fine. That usually means you get to be the hero at the end. So you you don't feel bad. You feel awesome. That's just delightful for Rorello. Yeah. All right. So you get the move, a soul reforged. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you slay a powerful, corrupted being, you gain what remains of its twisted soul. It can be reforged. Work with the GM to design a weapon or item that suits the soul's power in life. Upon forging this new weapon or item, you must take the soul's corruption within you, mark corruption. He can have a mount. I've okay. Having a corrupted Wait. mount would be sick, dude. A fucking corrupted lion mount is dope. That's kind of sick. I'm not going to lie. I'm cool with it. If you do that, you mark another point of corruption. And then when you die, you roll against the corruption you have instead of rolling black gates. All right, you really buried the lead on that one. And, and you rise <laughs> again. If you fail, you rise again as a champion of the House of Dust and Ash. When you reach six marks of corruption, the evil has rooted deeply into your being. You are now utterly and completely a creature of the House of Dust and Ash. Mm. Each mark of corruption, there's an advance move that you can take. Uh, it gives okay. you more power, but it also creates more ways to gain corruption. Yes, 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 yes. It's like a, a slope. You take that first step, and it makes the next step. It's like addiction. Seriously, though, a, a corrupted lion mouse. It seems sweet to me. Don't want to push that too hard. <laughs> no, I'm I'm into that. All right. Do you want me to describe how this lion mount makes itself? Is that what you're thinking? Hell yeah. Arello looks at his arm that has this giant shadowy bruise that's amorphously moving underneath his skin and collecting around his fingertips and wrapping around his whole hand and just not quite settling in any particular way. I thought I felt bad, but 
And he looks at the top of his hand and the bottom. And then he looks at the beast. I think I'm just fine. And I don't exactly know what I'm doing, but... And he just extends his palm out to the beast. And I think you see that shadow like come to his fingertips and extend down and fill the lion back up with the vitality and blood flow within itself. You see the tongue snap to life and rhythm back up through the slit in the throat and you see the skin fold around it. And then you see the lion get to its feet and it has the elf's head within its maw and it's about to throw up the head and then it just clamps down and blood just splatters everywhere as it crushes the elf head. It's a real like horror movie moment where it's just the reaction shot of everybody in the room just like turning their head a little bit, blood splatter on their cheek. Yep. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. So it goes back it's more of a a non like body horror lion. Mm-hmm. I think it begins cleaning itself immediately. Yeah. That's what is what you're yeah. getting at. Like yeah. it just acts like a cat. Rad. What color is it? What was it originally? Porcelain colored. Yeah. It's got purple frosted tips now. And yeah, I just reach out my arm and pat it on its head. Yeah, I think it starts purring and it like butts its head into your shoulder. Are you going to change its name? Uh, Brendis, I think we have a new friend. Balagash was always nice to me when I saw him around town. What does that name mean? Death. Bater called him Belly when he was... Showing him to the children, anyway. Does that seem to fit you now, Belly? In answer, the cat walks over to where Bater's corpse is and pulls the the armor back and takes a huge bite out of him. <laughs> can't really talk that much shit yeah yeah i can yeah you can for sure <laughs> did you see the you're the, the only one not being corrupted by evil strangely no i i mean he's got the knife he just gotta fucking kill something with it i yeah that's really the problem <laughs> i'm trying what ass. i want to be <laughs> look i'm trying to be as evil as you <laughs> Corrupt I, me, demon daddy. I can be evil, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I can be evil on the. I can be evil on the on the on the state fair circuit. Um, Pushes over a sign that says "Welcome." <laughs> I'm evil. And a this slice. It. A slice of this watermelon. Welcome to heck. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This. This banana that I picked up that I was going to buy at the grocery store? Kurt won it. I'm Kurt. just going to leave it here with the bread. <laughs> Kurt splat. <laughs> we'll leave the peel where somebody can trip on it. 
Okay, run. We got to leave. We got to leave this grocery yeah. store right now. <laughs> get out, get out, get out. The uh, manager is watching us. Actual quotation from myself, speaking to my friend, who was a manager at the grocery store, finding a candy bar wrapper that somebody had stuffed into a shelf. Oh, no, my fingerprints are on it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, something I fucking said. <laughs> He laughed. <laughs> he, he laughed at me for a long time. You know my fingerprints. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. I feel like we've lost the thread. I feel like this should be the end of the session. Yeah, this might. Yeah, be I it. was. I was actually going to ask yeah. you just because. Yeah. It's an it's, hour it's, earlier than yeah. for yeah. us than it is for you. Yeah. So yeah. It's yeah. not really a big deal for me, but I just feel like we're all just making the, dumb jokes now and not progressing. That's, yeah. Yeah. I that's actually. I don't think that'll change. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, anyway, time time passes. People, you guys get your shit together. Yeah, there's a spinning fucking savory <laughs> bread. <laughs> <laughs> or like the bread appears, then it's like. Yeah, it's just Scooby Doo edits. Is that is that what I'm thinking of? Is that like Mystery Machine edits? Yeah. Oh god, Perfect. that's been a while.